Hey, Tucker. Hey, Todd. This part's going to be pre-recorded, so act professional, okay? I'll do my best. This is episode 12 of the second season of the Tucker and Todd show. I'm Tucker. And I'm Todd. Okay, now we can get on with the show. Hooray! Confetti. Hi, Tucker. I'm Todd. Hi, Todd. I'm Tucker. It. If only we didn't need to warm you up with a trial run first, Craig. Trial runs? Or they at least wine and dine me first before you fuck me, ma'am? <laughs> In this case, Craig is more like that old Honda that Louis was talking about. The who was talking about? Louis C.K. Talking about how his body's like an old Honda that you're trying to pull out of a hill. Is that a newer or an older thing? That sounds like an older thing. It's an older thing. Old 90s Louie with his explosion of hair? No, that would be uh, early to mid to 2010s Louie. Oh, okay. I'm trying to th- I think I I saw Louie at Mac Hall in 2007, 8. And I remember me and my friend being so, like, giddy. Th- we were in the front row, and we were so giddy the whole time. Like, he's going to, like, make fun of us. He's going to say, we're, he's gonna, like, we're going to be part of the show. We weren't part of the show. Louis doesn't do that. <laughs> it never happened. Our hopes never materialized. Louis didn't even look in our direction. He didn't care. I, ver- I don't remember much of the set at all. I very remember him ending the show saying he was going to go back to the hotel to jerk off and cry. That old chestnut. Probably true, too. Yeah, to make a, a a hotel maid watch him jerk off and cry. Yeah, I was going to add that as an addendum. <laughs> it, he wasn't the one crying. The person he was making watch was crying. Anyway, on that on that bombshell. Yeah, fucking Louie. Welcome to the Tucker and Todd show. Welcome, everyone, including you, Craig. Even Craig. A genuine pleasure to be so included. Tonight we are working on the second installment of a trilogy. That's right. We just left our boys kind of in prison as it were and so we know i think before because we know where we're starting we know some of the gags that we wanted to start with but i think we should also mark some sort of end point that wouldn't be too far into the plot so that we don't overstep into part three well i think the the escape from the prison should be the midpoint yeah there should be an escape from the prison and then maybe at least a plan made and then maybe in season, or episode three, that can the plan can go wrong and we can figure out how to go from there to conclude it. Well, naturally, the plan has to go wrong. But since we ended the last episode in, in basically a loss, we definitely need to end this one uh, in a sort of a regrouping. We, you know, we Avengers assemble. Yeah. What is I was trying to figure out how to make it a two towers. But I don't know that specific sequence well enough to remember where they start and finish. Yeah, I, I don't remember either. But that was a pretty good example of a lost cliffhanger right at the end of the fellowship. Oh yeah, that was a pretty hardcore loss at the end of the fellowship. Oh yeah, the second the second film ended right at the end of the the Battle of Helm's Deep, which almost was a colossal failure, but resulted in a pretty impressive turnaround and route. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. So that's that is some <laughs> some food for thought as we make our way through. So we start in the ball pit. 
the sad ball pit. Yeah, did we agree that that's where we kind of clue in, where the, the camera just fades in and that's where we are? I believe so. I think that was sort of like, or at least that it was our best representation of showing that things were grim and not good compared to the last time that the ball pit was fun. I think it would be very telling if it was basically the exact same scene, but with really sad energy. Is there even like the most melodramatic violin sad music playing? Yes, and I think somebody needs to turn to the guy playing the violin and ask him to keep it down because he's making it even more sad in here. Is it one of the the horrific creatures that's in this outside nest that we've found our way into? Yeah, yeah, definitely. There are musicians in there, although I can't decide if it should be like an old-timey prison harmonica or a real violin. Oh, that's actually kind of funny. Yeah, the... There's one guy, he's, what do they do? They, they they rub their little tin cup along the bars in time with the, the harmonica. Yeah, real old-fashioned style. And, of course, the I, I haven't decided how the guard situation should work. Like, maybe the prisoners and the guards, they're actually the same population, and they just happen to have guard shifts and prisoner shifts. Or is it like, a, is there competition for guard spots and these creatures are constantly murdering each other in order to take the clothes and become the new guards? If they're constantly murdering each other, that means there needs to be a constant stream of new new blood coming in. Which may be one of the, Magu- like a MacGuffin that we have to solve in order to escape. There's some sort of hellmouth in this place through which awful creatures are pouring. Oh, are, are people just... People just occasionally popping out of a wormhole, just right into the center hall of this prison or right into a great big holding cell, I assume. I'm not sure. I don't know if that necessarily makes any sense. Is there, would there be a wormhole in the outside? I guess, where would it come from? See, here's the thing is the outside is funny. Since it's an intradimensional space, it could, that wormhole could be coming from everywhere. Yeah, that's true. It could just be a goddamn sand trap that people are falling in in any reality anywhere but i think it would be funnier if it was actually like a a tin ducting garbage chute that people are just falling out of and there's no explanation as to where they're coming from and is it actually it's you can tell that the people who are the the, whatever is living there already is now used to every now and then you hear clunk clang 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 clunk 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 another one's on the way yes and at least once something too big for the chute needs to come through it but instead of breaking the chute, it just kind of like swells up as it goes down, cartoon style. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, so there's just like this lump in it that continues down it and then gets spat out. With a little fart sound. <clears throat> yep. And of course, at least at one point, there has to be the cutaway and not like not the cutaway, not like a flash aside, whatever. But the what is the proper cross section? The cross section of the pipe is the thing bounces through the plate blank clank 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 you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah cross section that's where you can see into the duct right and yeah i think just kind of at random intervals new prisoners should just come through here we don't need to explain where they're coming from tucker and todd surely never find out and i guess that if if we are going to use that that could display sort of the eco cycle or whatever within this place A, a new prisoner gets spat out and then a current guard comes and starts escorting down the hall, but then another creature will come and kill that guard and then take over its duty, and then the prisoner will realize that they can actually kill the guard and become the new guard. I think, even beyond that, every time a prisoner or a guard or just any inhabitant of this prison dies, a fresh replacement just comes automatically. 
Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's like a, a sort of static minimum population that gets maintained. Oh, do we do a gag with a like current population ticker then where it's constant it goes up one number and then it goes down, then it goes up, then it goes down and it stays constant? Yeah, it's in a state of equilibrium. Somewhere there's a counter for sure. Okay. And so do we need to work in some sort of mini plot leading up to do like do do we start working on a plan to escape immediately? Or do we need some sort uh, of conflict before that occurs? I, I think we're going to submit to our environment at first because well we can't really we're just biding our time while we figure out what we're going to do and where exactly we are because where we are happens to be very familiar i don't know if we know that we're in the uh the outside and if we're just in like oh the basement floor of the building we were just in hmm okay so i was gonna yeah that i started briefly wondering if because you said we're not aware of where we are but we're we're not familiar with necessarily aware with where not necessarily aware. Well, are we fully cognizant, or are we in some sort of like mind haze while we're here? I guess the the point of us being there is to like paperboy wants us to suffer and experience the. Yeah, we we have to be aware of our surroundings and our imprisonment. We're cognizant, but th- I mean, this facility has no windows, so it's not like we can look outside and see like a small city on an island float by at random or like a weird pasta noodle with sentience flutter by oh so are you saying but 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 we do know that it's the outside right though how how would we know because it's all uh sausage links and whatnot well there is that and we've seen that kind of weird stuff in our reality Hmm. have we seen it in our reality or have we seen it when we've been in the outside well we've never seen anything quite like that in the outside but we have seen plenty of weird outsidey type stuff in our reality. Okay, so this this is a little bit this is a little bit of a the upside down then and so we we know that we're somewhere different but we don't know that it's the outside is that what you're saying? Correct. We we can assume that it is, but we don't really have any concrete proof. It's also not really super important for our situation at the time to figure out if you wake up in a prison, your first concern is not what country it's in. But do we not recognize that it's the same structure as the Sendables compound, though? No, we definitely recognize that it's the same structure. That's why I said we don't know if we're in the outside or if we just happen to be in a really weird basement level of the same building. Ah, okay, okay, okay. But it's but it's not super important. Right now, our, our priority is surviving. Are things trying to kill us at the same time? Well, we're seeing prisoners and guards drop dead all the time and then get replaced by the moviepoopshoot.com. That sounds familiar. Say that again? That's a reference to Jane Song Bob Strike Back. Oh, right, 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 right. That was the first thing I thought of when I thought about the shoot. So do we play it like where we actually start thriving in jail? Absolutely not. That's We cannot thrive or else we might get comfortable and stay. So, I mean, then do we make a gang or get jumped in with a pre-existing gang? Like, are we doing prison tropes? For now, we should probably focus on various torments we're being subjected to, like the ball pit, until we can take no more and decide that it's we need to escape. We can't survive this. Okay, so the ball pit is a form of torture. You had mentioned a thing about the aristocrats. Yes, we're subjected to incre- ever-increasingly terrible aristocrats jokes. Like, the first one is done by Sarah Silverman, and that's pretty bad, but it gets worse. Or are we doing actual ones from the movie? Which movie? The Aristocrats documentary. I mean, 
Yeah. Because I think Sarah Silverman was on that. Have like have you heard that album? No, I I wouldn't have been able to sit through that. It's uh, well, when I was in the tenth grade, I loved it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a tenth grade me and you kind of thing. That's who it's for. Doug Stanhope's in there. That's kind of cool. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried and all that gang, like Penn Jillette and Bob Saget and all them. Well, I mean, Gilbert and Bob were going to be all around the aristocrats, anyways. And of course, they should probably be in prison with us somewhere, delivering the absolute worst renditions of it. Gilbert and Bob. Is there any reference to the fact that Gilbert Gottfried was also what? What was what was the name of our thing? Godbert Gilfried or whatever. Gil. Oh right, yeah. Because <laughs> I wanted him to do Iago the parrot. Right. We had a talking bird at the the cannery in the coal mine. Yeah. Well, uh, I think he was Godbert Gilfried. Yeah, something like that. Okay, so Bob Saget and I, can, Jason Alexander also, he was in that movie. Jason Alexander was there. Sarah Silverman, they're all there. They're doing their versions of the joke. I think that Sarah Silverman is going to have to take... I, she'll she'll be the intro level one. It'll be pretty bad. But uh, I think we should be sitting at like a, like that small diner where we met Miranda. We should probably be sitting around in a, a nightmare version of that place. Okay. With a with a terrible comedian, and that's exactly what's happening. This this is what passes for entertainment here. Oh, is everyone else who's so? Is there a large crowd of like awful monsters, and they're all enjoying it, or is this a session in which we are being tortured? We're being tortured, but there. I mean, there's still there's still a crowd around, but I haven't decided yet if they're just like other prison monsters, or if they happen to be like kind of like faceless, like faceless shades. Like they're not really there; they just appear to be there. If you grab one by the shoulders and turn them around, it's actually just like a blank. It's not a real person. Just it, gives the it gives the illusion of the place being full. It's a bunch of corpses with their stomachs like blasted open, and and the the comic on the stage says something about he's uh, something about his, uh, they're real gut busters. Uh, at least one of them can be like that. Oh, that's a real gut buster. Cause oh yeah, okay, you, okay. Then you can do all kinds of like body humor with a few different instances of them and including having a couple of them get up like they're on marionette strings and start acting out the uh, aristocrats which is the point where we need to leave the, the room <laughs> that's a good spot for some more raspberry jam maybe some chocolate syrup and like like spaghetti falling out of people's heads oh yeah there's lots of room for sp- spagoot in there <laughs> large helpings of jam it'll be awful all right, so that's two two tortures. Remember that we 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 obey the rule of three in this show, so we're gonna need a third one. It should be outrageous, even more outrageous than a sad ball pit and the aristocrats. I mean, I, I guess is anything more outrageous? I guess after the aristocrats is it actually something very calm. Yeah, we should probably subvert expectations and go with something comparably benign, and just somehow that's the straw that broke the camel's back. Or is or is this a joke? I mean, that maybe that's too easy of a joke. I'm not I'm not going to say that it's George Strait, but it's that sort of thing. Like it's something very popular that we find torturous. But Tucker and Todd in the in the the clip are tortured by it. Okay, examples. Joel Osteen, <laughs> Skylar White. I don't think Skylar White qualifies as popular. She's not popular, but it's is grating. I mean, I don't see any reason not to bring her in but we, see, I, we'll I already, already we'll already have her made 
yeah, we would already have her made. But I, I mean, she can be in there. She could be the thing because that would be torture. That that's funny. That's a joke. You bring in Skylar White as torture, and we just said that she's just talking. She's just telling a, a a regular story, and we're sitting there like falling over, like doubled over, clutching at our t- stomachs, crawling like belly crawling, fingernails dragging ourselves across the floor to get away from her. And she's just got like a folding metal chair. She just like folds it up, picks it up, and then repositions herself in a convenient spot closer to us, and then resumes talking. Oh, one of those things where she she doesn't even notice that we are being tortured, but she no she acts as though we've been mildly inconvenienced and sort of like helps us. Oh, let me get that for you. Anyways, as I was saying, yeah, what a awful woman. I think uh, she would be a prime candidate for coming out of the shoot too. Yeah, I do. I do like that since we have her anyways. Yeah, and I think we might have actually found something that qualifies. As both more outrageous than the aristocrats and comparatively comparably benign. Like somehow now, she's in that sweet spot that's both of those things in a Venn diagram. Are we also going to be shocked at first because two episodes, two episodes ago we saw her get <laughs> horribly mutilated at a party? Is she just going to respond that it got better? <laughs> that's funny because that was a joke that we put in somewhere about something already. That is very funny. It got better. Yeah, like that's how I think uh that's how I think Crank should have ended, where he just like gets up, dusts himself off. Oh, guess I'm alright. How did Crank end? Didn't they make another it, one? He fell a mile out of a helicopter and landed on somebody's car. He got he got picked up with a shovel. I thought that was the beginning. Or is it That was the end of Crank one. That that was the beginning of Crank two. Oh, okay, I understand, I understand. I don't believe there was a Crank three. That one was a bit more final. They burnt him to a crisp. Crank. I mean, I think I think he still wakes up, but I mean, now he's all crispy. So Jason Statham can't play him anymore. Crank three was Ghost Rider. <laughs> Pretty much. I feel like they made another movie, too, after Ghost Rider, which you could probably call a crank. Oh, I'm thinking of Gamer. Never mind. OK, so we is is Skylar White lecturing us or is she actually just telling us a story about a friend she ran into while she was grocery shopping and she's like, oh, this friend kept talking and talking and I wouldn't let me get a word in edgewise. And then she's, you know, turns out she's exactly like her friend and she just keeps talking and talking. That's kind of what I was envisioning, it, that it was just kind of like a, a, a bland story about something that happened in her day. Or, I mean, it could be another. It's it's funny how how the show it's funny how shows twist how you feel about characters even though they're an entirely humanly like empathetic position you despise them because of their behavior just her talking because, about her because feelings. they inhibit somebody else that you like that you like who's a monster yes everybody wanted to see walter succeed and so skylar doing mostly reasonable things i won't say everything she did is reasonable some things she did were pretty stupid giving ted all that money for a start oh yeah that, that, that but, is, she, uh, she loses her mind at a certain point she loses her mind at several points, but Walter was clearly in the wrong, like all of the time, all of the times Walter was in the wrong. He was the least sympathetic character on the show. Cinema. Yeah, ta-da. This is this is how we manipulate people into siding with the villain. I mean, this is why humanity sucks now. What do you mean now? Well, I mean, I, it's I don't mean just specifically now. It's been a long process that's been building up to this point. Oh, I think we just already sucked. I think it's that's 
the suck has been around for as long as there have been people. It's gone all yeah all the way back to Gudersk. I think it goes well beyond names. In fact, back when people were identified exclusively by pictogram. Well, actually, even it, it was before then because I watched. Uh, I if you didn't know. I studied primate behavior briefly in Ghana, and we used to watch the monkeys jump out of the trees, sneak up on the pigs from the village, and then just slap them on the ass and laugh as they ran away screaming. <laughs> so it was before hominids were even a thing. Yeah, it goes it all, the way, all the way back to the apes. And beyond them, it goes back to the monkeys. They're all little pricks, yeah. And the little ones would sneak up on the chickens and try to pull their tail feathers out. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. It's just a it's just a primate thing, just kind of it's innate violent. to us to be a dick. Uh, we watch mothers like punch their children in the face because they were screaming too hard for the milk. I mean, who hasn't felt that way about a kid now and then? That's why I don't have any. Is, yeah, that's is the that only specifically reason. why, <laughs> or is there is it because there's no one around who wants to make one with you? There have been, and where are they now? With somebody who's more financially stable and emotionally. I I heard both of those, especially the second one. <laughs> anyway, this is not the incel cast. Yeah, whoops. Uh, no, they're uh, they're down the hall. We make fun of them. We picked this building specifically so that we'd have somebody to punch down towards. Oh no, are they at where they were? They at the pod fair? They weren't allowed in. Oh no, they got bounced at the door. <laughs> they were with they were with Hitler. <laughs> That's very funny. Hitler was their ringleader. Okay, but Skylar is there and she's telling a mundane story. But I think it would be funny before we do start feeling tortured by it, if we try to interrupt very gently at some point, just to ask what's going on. And she starts doing the shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. And then we're like, okay. Which which kills us very, very quickly. Yeah, and she goes immediately back to calmly telling her boring story. Like we make the Shrek face. Yeah, we we get completely cowed and then we quiet down and then she resumes her story like she didn't just fucking tear a strip off us. Okay, look at that gift of Shrek that you just sent and then look at Colin Powell's face up there and tell me they're not the same. (laughs) (laughs) Ow. Uh, I I swallowed a laugh. can be dangerous. That can turn into an aneurysm. Yeah, well... Better hurry up. <laughs> what a relief, yeah. I'll try to sync them up better. <laughs> I'll try to die more conveniently. <laughs> All right, so so I assume we actually just, like, black out eventually. And and by the time we wake up, Skylar's gone and we're back in our cell or whatever. And oh, that's, that's actually a good way to do that, yeah. A blackout yeah, and then a fade Because the idea is that she doesn't stop for so long as we're conscious. And even after we pass out, she probably still continues for like an hour. Or two. <laughs> we wake up and we both have big like Rip Van Winkle beards. <laughs> like we're Robin Williams and Jumanji. We've been in there a while. <laughs> but it turns out it's only been a few hours, but we've just her chat has aged us. That would be funny if we do ask how how long were we out? And somebody looks at their watch and it's like five hours, maybe two. Yeah. No, no, I think I think seven or eight is the, the right amount. Okay. Seven, seven, eight hours, seven, maybe eight. We've got Jumanji beards like yours can have a leaf in it. <laughs> yeah, a couple twigs, a mouse, some birds. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing. 
So her her chat has just like aged us. We've our lives. We've had years shaved off of our lives. Do, is it a cut? And we or do we see? No, I, I do like the the black coat and then wake up old. I was gonna say, is it a uh, holy grail? Not Monty Python, but uh, Last Crusade. You chose poorly. poorly uh, if you want, you can. No, actually, I think it should just be like a one scene. We're there on the floor with our eyes closed. And then immediately there's another scene where the lights are like dimmer because they're set to nighttime mode because we wake up at like three in the morning yeah. and we've got our beards and we're just like we're we're right in the same spot. We just kind of audibly blink our eyes open. Yeah, it, it, maybe it even starts as a very close up cut where you just see our like our eyes and then zooms out as we're old. And do we see each other's faces and scream in reaction? I'm I'm unsure what our reaction should be at. Probably shock, probably silent shock, followed by screaming, followed by questions. Or is it a, you've got something on your face and then you rub your whole beard off and go, did I get it? And I'm like, yeah, that's better. I don't. If we rub it off, then we don't get to ask. Then it's not funny when we ask how long we were in there. I guess that's true. But just like we just like we grew them in kind of like a scene change, we're going to lose them in the scene change afterwards too, and never talk about it again. Oh, just like almost like it's like poorly edited, like it's a uh, continuity error. It's just in the next frame. They're not there. It can, it can certainly be framed to look that way, but more or less, we just cleaned ourselves up a little. Not a lot, mind you. I mean, uh, Tucker's still going to have his, you know, kind of scraggly shadow. But we or, or, take a moment to clean ourselves up before we proceed. Or do we keep them for a while and they actually become sort of part of the plot? Do they like save us in some instance or we're able to disguise ourselves and that helps us in some way? Oh, interesting. In that case, at some point we need to lose them and have it be like a blow struck to us. Oh, it could even be the, the like somebody's standing on the tip of our beard and we don't realize it and we go to walk away and it, like we walk away and it pulls the beards off of our face and we're discovered. Ow, that hurts a lot. Uh, I was thinking maybe somebody burns them off. We stand a little too close to a gout of flame and just like pull our heads back and our eyebrows are on fire and the beard's gone. That's scary. Is that really more scary than our entire beard being pulled off at once? No. It could. So is it, hmm, maybe somebody thinks that because we have these beards now, we get mistaken for some sort of like important scientist and somebody needs uh, a concoction made and we're like, yeah, we can do that. And we mix random stuff together and it explodes and that's what singes off of our hair and they we, they discover we were lying. Okay, a couple things to pick apart there. What scientists would they think we are? Why do they need a scientist? Who needs a scientist? Why do they need one? Maybe not a scientist, but an alchemist. They think we're like Methuselah or something. Merlin. So, so basically we encounter the monster equivalent of thinking that all the intellectuals wear glasses. Yeah, and they think that all long-bearded people are wizards. Or at least wise. Oh, is is that instead of trying to mix a concoction, we're, we, we try to make big Gandalf fireworks or something? They think we're wizards? I don't know. What kind of flame did we stand close to? I was just thinking that maybe we stand a little too close to somebody's Molotov cocktail during a prison riot that we instigate, which, oh. which, which ruins our disguise. See, all the, the, the other prisoners and the guards are kind of united in uh, their effort to keep us here, but our disguises are going to help us start like to escape, and we kind of you know start a riot in the hopes of distracting everybody. Was it? So yeah, we're doing prison tropes after all. 
do we start a riot because we see it as an opportunity to escape or do we accidentally start a riot and recognize that as an opportunity to escape? Uh, yes, both. I think we should be trying to do something else that causes a riot. Oh, okay. You know I love it when we fail and succeed. I do, and I'm trying to think how the 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 disguises could come into play. If it was some sort of like contest or something that we were trying to organize. Well, no, our, our we're just using our disguises so that we can move more freely through the facility, which means we can access, you know, like sensitive materials or sensitive locations where we can basically try to build a radio or something so that we can communicate with the outside world and call for help or otherwise try to find a way to open the mag locks on the big front doors or whatever. Well, can we do a joke where I pull up my long hoodie and my stomach is covered in all sorts of tattoos and I say, and it, the tattoos are a very specific diagram for like how to make a, a an escape device. And you're like, what the hell is all that? And I said, after I saw Prison Break, I decided that in case I ever get go to prison, I needed to, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I've seen that show too, so I know exactly what we're talking about. You, you, there's like a detailed instruction manual, but it's all etched in in like metaphor and allegory in your body. Yeah, but mine has zero metaphor and zero allegory. It's just like IKEA instructions for like a how to get out of jail device. The only problem is it's actually still written in Swedish. Yes. Does that mean we need to make friends with a Swede in the prison? Yes, and it needs to be Peter Stormare. Isn't would, he Swedish? I, would, I yes, I would be okay with that for sure. And he was in I that show, him. right? Yes, he was, but he played in Italian for some reason. But I love him anyway. Uh, Rolf Peter Ingvar Storm. Holy shit. I love Peter and everything he's in. Okay, but so is he actually Peter Stormare, or actually can he be his Fargo character? Oh, wow. So basically, is, is, his, is his Fargo character Swedish? I, well, his last name is Grimsrud, which seems pretty Scandinavian. Yeah, it's from somewhere in that neck of the woods for sure. Does that mean we find him when he's putting somebody through a wood chipper? Yeah, 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 yeah. That that's his prison job. He disposes of all of the dead prisoners and guards oh. on the wood chipper. <laughs> Since there is just an endless, he's got he's like pushing a mop around and then pushing the throwing them inside the chipper. Yeah. See, since there's an endless stream of of dead, dying people and then replacements for them, body disposal is actually a permanent prison job here. That's hilarious. And so that's how we find him and be like, that guy looks Swedish. Let's ask him if he knows how to how to sort out these instructions. And then, yes, we're going to what do, are we building a radio or something like that? I'm not sure if it's a radio or if it's like a hmm. Is it something uh, it would be kind of funny if it was like we were making like a uh, what's the thing from Doctor Who? Like the screwdriver, sonic screwdriver the in community. They made the can't remember what it was. I'm just thinking that whatever we make, it has to inadvertently cause such a disruption in the prison that it causes a riot. So I was thinking that if we do construct some manner of radio, it actually doesn't work correctly in the outside, and it actually just like makes everybody's music devices stop working, which, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to a prison, but I'm pretty sure that would cause a riot almost immediately. That is that is interesting. I was in the same vein. What if we make a radio and it literally just starts playing one song over and over and over and that drives everybody crazy or it plays one like roll over Beethoven or like a prison riot song. And as soon as people hear the prison riot song, they burst out into a prison riot. 
Oh, I love that. If we can, if we can strike the perfect kind of Benny Hill cartoon-esque prison riot song that like just causes everybody to erupt into spontaneous and inexplicable violence, that'd be perfect. I feel like it would be one of those like '50s rock and roll songs. Yeah, uh, whatever, whatever music you hear when the greasers start fighting with everybody else in any film, that's what's playing. And also, just for the fuck of it, because it's my favorite prison riot scene in movies is uh, you think that I'm locked in here with you, but you're locked in here with me. Oh, I love that one in every movie it's ever shown up in because it's always just like dead cold. This guy is this guy fucks. (laughs) This guy fucks. It's Stan. (laughs) No, I guess it's Craig. I wish Stan was here. Stan seems to me like the kind of guy who would be perfect, like at his at his most comfortable and happy, lounging in a comfortable sofa, reading his favorite magazine in peace. He seems like that kind of guy. That is what he was doing last time that he wasn't with us on a thing when we needed him. He was reading a magazine. That should be a recurring joke. Then we need to figure out what his magazine is. Nun's Life. Oh, is it a filthy magazine or is it or is it like he's over he's overcompensating? It's actually Manly Mechanics Monthly. Oh, yeah, I thought it would be something like pretentious and, and uh, snooty. Furry and short. <laughs> short life. Because then it would be a magazine that both Stan and Tucker could read. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so it, it I don't it shouldn't start with the uh, the riot song. It should start with like a couple of other things as we adjust it and turn dials and like bang it with a wrench or something because like the first song starts getting people slightly agitated just because it's an annoying song. Then, then, then it starts skipping and that makes them even more angry. And so we start adjusting dials and stuff and like, come on, man, make it work. People are starting to notice they're getting a little angry. And then we switch it a couple more times and then the, the riot fight song comes on and then all hell breaks loose. Yeah, uh, during going through them at one point, should it get bring up a song that actually like calms everyone down? Everybody's very happy, and then it switches and it changes. Like their moods change depending on like whether it's sultry or or uh, chaotic or whatever's coming through. Yeah, something soothing, something like a soothing melody, something nice, and then and then uh, either it skips or we accidentally bump it and it switches to the the riot song, and then. Then the fight starts, and who I have no idea where that guy got a folding chair. Maybe he got it from Skyler, but he just hit another prisoner overhead with a folding chair, and now the fight's on everywhere. Yeah, everybody starts smashing bottles and whatnot. Apparently, so at one point somebody has a Molotov cocktail, then, and that <laughs> that is what singes our our beards off. Yeah, like uh, I either either somebody throws a Molotov cocktail nearby, or uh, they start lighting entire rolls of toilet paper and throwing them all over the place and one of us catch one right in the face and it and it and it sets our head on fire and in our and in my or your uh haste to get it off we throw it right into the other's face i just envisioned a scene where we like take one of the guards hostage and we're about to burn them at a stake and as we're all holding our our uh our our tiki torches up to to light the um hey craig can you blank this out to hold our tiki torches up to start the libertarians i can't do it (laughs) (laughs) you're right we can't do that
I couldn't do it with a straight face. And once you, yeah. Anyways, we we are holding our torches to 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 light the bonfire to burn a guard or whatever. And we are all into. We become part of the riot. We get all excited and and caught up in the adrenaline of it. And then we light our own beards on fire. Or is it, as you said, a Molotov? I, I think it should probably be that we're the victims of somebody else writing. I don't know if we would actually have it in us to violently take part in a riot and then prepare to burn people alive. Oh, are we scared as the riot is going on and we're trying to like cling to the wall and sneak out of the room? Yeah, we're trying to use it as a distraction because this goddamn radio is not working. We're like, one of us is going to have to be like, hey, hey, don't worry about it. This is fine. This is a distraction. We can get out of here now. Okay, then, this is our chance. And yeah, this is our chance. And then almost immediately afterwards, one of us gets socked in the face with a roll of toilet paper that's on fire, which catches my beard on fire. And then I, in a scramble, I try to bat it away from my face and it flies right into your face. And then it sets your face on fire. And like within, within just a second, we've got like Looney Tunes soot face with just <laughs> our eyes. And then we wipe it off and our faces are back to normal. And the riot stops and everybody recognizes that we're actually not bearded guys. We're the guys that everyone's supposed to keep from getting out of here. And so do they surround us and, hey, it's those two. Don't let them leave. Yeah, they they round us up and uh, Peter Stormare is just about to put us through the wood chipper. Oh, is this? It's too early for a cliffhanger. <laughs> it is much too early for a cliffhanger. But I was thinking that maybe our radio worked a little better than we thought it did, and help is actually on the way. Oh, that's interesting. Is help is the help that's on the way going to? Hmm, how are we going to do this? Is this going to be when we break out, or is this going to give us the chance to like sequester in another like corner of the compound and come up with the rest of the plan to truly break out with the help that's arrived now? I think whatever help is coming is probably going to kick in the front door and we're going to make a fighting retreat. We're at about the midpoint now, which means this, that's about where we would want to be able to start making our escape and get out of here and begin trying to find a way to regroup. But we can't, we can't assemble the Avengers so long as we're trapped in this prison. And so did you have somebody in mind for who heard us? Because my immediate assumption is, is that our, like it's our best friends, Craig and Stan, but it could be somebody else. I think that there should be a cutaway to the phone ringing in the studio and Stan not recognizing the caller ID and just not picking it up. Oh, that's a good idea. Yes, because that is what we did last time also. Yeah, Stan and Craig are not helpful, so they're, they won't be here. But I think what might happen is that either some of the sendables come. Uh, after all, they have a bone to pick with uh, Paperboy now. He kind of ransacked their place or a single one of the uh not children assassins oh here's a third proposal is in the last episode we matthew mcconaughey had started to try to assimilate us into his hive mind but all of his mm, what would you call them subsidiaries all of his i would call them his minions yeah, his minions started to assimilate to us, and that broke the whole thing, and he retreated solo. If we don't have a plan for what's going on with him, since all of that was related to to kind of like being in the outside too much or involved the outside, did Matthew McConaughey hear our call and decide to join our side against Paperboy because of what he tried to do? 
Interesting. I'm actually pretty sure that Paperboy, while we're imprisoned here, Paperboy is hunting down and trying to uh, absorb McConaughey. So right. I'm pretty sure Paperboy's hot on his heels. So if McConaughey shows up here, he's probably going to be, uh, you know, forcibly absorbed by Paperboy as part of the action going on here. Yeah, I forgot about the detail that he contained a whole bunch of Paperboy's essence and all that. Okay, so that doesn't really work. Okay, never mind. Well, just... he, he and Paperboy are sharing what's left of Elrond. Right. Oh, yeah, that's how that worked. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they've My got God, they've got God. like a they've got like a little psychic link going on between them as the what's left of Elrond is communicating to what's what's also left of Elrond. Hmm. Okay. So all of that is going to have to come to a head in the part three. Then that can resolve there. That doesn't happen here. So yeah, that's that'll that that confrontation would end with Paperboy, you know, attaining his final form. Right. Okay, so I okay, the sendables make sense. I was just trying to think of is would there be anybody else in our little universe so far with like interesting technology? Well, I'm just trying to think about the various groups that uh were in our big showdown episode where every big group was all trying to get this MacGuffin. And I remember the sendables and I remember the the not child assassins, but I'm pretty sure there were other groups as well. I cannot even remember. That's the season one finale. Yeah, and I also remember that pretty much nobody traded evenly with the child assassins, which means one of them could show up and save the day. Okay, well, I, like I think it, I, I think it would be it. yeah, I I think it would be pretty funny if one of them kicked in the door and like the camera needs to the the camera needs to pan down because the it's focusing on like the upper section of the door and there's nobody there. I do, yeah, I like that gag, and I also like including them rather than doubling down because we had sendables in the last one. Not that we can't like put everybody; they can't have consecutive episodes or whatever. But I like that they've had their shine now. It's time for some of the non-child assassins, kind of develop them a little. Not to mention when we start like assembling the Avengers. I, I know, I know, I need to find a different word for that, but that's my favorite metaphor for it. The sendables will probably be there anyway. Yeah, that's true. They'll come back. But in, in this instance, the guards and the other prisoners, they're they're rounding us up. We're surrounded. They've got us. So they're going to they're they're probably going to drag you and they'll just like scoop me up cuz I could probably fit in the palm of one of them. If a big one anyway. So they're carrying us off either back to ourselves or they're going to let Peter lead us right over to his wood chipper and they're just they'll show you what you get for escaping cuz just just imagine the possibility that, in fact, unlike them, we can't die. And then we go through the wood chipper and we just like continue to live as chipped people. Sounds awful. So uh, just as they're about to uh, do whatever, we're just as we're about to meet our fate, there's a, an explosion and, and the, the front door gets kicked in. But the camera needs to pan down because whoever happens to be there is really short. Oh, there can even be the camera goes over to the door and there's a musical sting like da da, and then it's silent for a second, and then it do, like do we do the down. do we do the crickets and everything? Yeah, there might it might be crickets or like a hiss or something like that, or a cough. <laughs> <clears throat> camera pans down, pans down, and then the sting again. Bum, and then it it's somebody who appears to be four years old, and then they they they're they got bandoliers with like knives and grenades. And and like a brace of pistols and a machete and 
fuck a submachine gun in one hand and like a sh- uh, an automatic combat shotgun in the other and a knife between their teeth and a red bandana around their head Rambo style just go wild and I think their firearms are also like disproportionately sized are they going to be normal sized or are they going to be child assassin sized oh I think they I think they have handles that are child hand sized but like it's like a cartoon it gets bigger as it like towards one end of the device ah so the grips and stuff are like customized for their use but they're still normal sized firearms basically basically yeah I think that's funny, especially if uh, this child assassin also happens to include in his gear like a sippy cup. Oh, that's funny, yeah. Because you you and I know that's an adult, but I imagine this guy manages to lure his way into vulnerable situations where he can easily assassinate people by pretending to be a kid with that sippy cup. Oh, I was going to say, or is it just a gag where it's a sippy cup strapped to his back and he's got like a camel pack straw or whatever? Well, it's it's his canteen, but it's it's a sippy cup. Oh, yeah, I actually appreciate that. And then, well, full-size canteen is just too big for him. And this way he can, like, run around without spilling his drink. It stops me spilling my juice. <laughs> Besides, these guys are already established as child infiltrators. Right, this is what they do. Which means he's probably, like, in child clothes, but he's got his bandoliers and all that stuff on, so he's got, like, little kid suspenders and, like, short pants and stuff. And it would be actually a lot of fun. I don't know. I was watching a tutorial on how to do it. I'm, I try to work on my filmmaking techniques a little bit, but it'd be fun to do like a 300 style, like speed ramp um, sequence as he moves through the prison, like extinguishing creatures. It'll be like that opening scene in the first Blade movie when he's going to the club and he just butchers the place. That's actually funny. Should we do that then? It's kind of like a strobe thing with uh, like a hard dance music or whatever. Absolutely. And then at one point, it's going to need to cut to where the shoot is. And there, it's got so many incoming that it's actually clogged. <laughs> yeah, and you like can that. all you can also still faintly hear the dance music in the background. It's almost like it's actually playing somewhere in a, somewhere else in the prison. And it's loud enough. You can just faintly hear it in the shoot room. Oh, and when that happens, does the the number counter keeping track of the balance like explode because it's been? Oh, the, it, it's it's like dead. a it's like a pressure gauge. It goes into the red as the number goes down. It's like, eh, 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 pew. uh, oh, what? There's some kind of like reality event. Something breaks, and uh, so, something something has to give. Oh, that's interesting. Does it stop time, and that's our like our moment to get out? Either that or like the the building itself starts to crumble or deteriorate and and basically we no longer need to go out that front door. Either that or the place actually starts falling and crumbling and it's actually a danger to us. We need to escape. We need to do one of those get out of the building before it falls on top of you montages. Okay. Everybody likes those. It's it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. We gotta get away from the giant rolling ball, but it, it's not a boob. Is it crumbling or do we do something sort of meta and like I start to turn down the opacity of the video like we start fading out like we got to go out we're going to disappear. Oh, I like that. Or and the and the you can have like some of the screen flicker effects like we had when Miranda <laughs> when when she was about to get really mad at us. Yeah, it starts glitching. Yeah, we need lots of glitchy stuff. It Yeah, uh what what would there's got to be a computer voice. A f- uh, lady computer voice. In fact, it's it's Craig's girlfriend, but we don't know that. It's Glados. Yeah, but she's got to be like error. Uh, 
something event imminent. Something like that. Transubstantiation event. Sure, why not? I think that's the right word. Oh, that's a church word. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the water to wine. And that's the blood. Yeah. That's the blood. Papal infallibility. What a what a gig to be a pope. <laughs> to be declared infallible. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> I would definitely take that job. And every now and then you get to crawl out and you do like your Groundhog Day thing where you see your shadow and you say what new rules there's going to be. What rules you're retiring? Yeah, no more condoms. Everybody can do sex work. Gay is cool. And if you killed yourself, you don't have to go to hell for that anymore. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder how many popes have killed themselves. Probably none, but the number who has been assassinated is probably non-zero. So the first I searched Pope suicide and the first thing that comes up is a book called The Pope's Suicide. And then the next thing is a Wikipedia list of popes who died violently. <laughs> I'm sure that's a long list. The uh, Rome has always been a very competitive club. It's pretty. It looks like this is probably at least 30, 30 people. Oh, so this is a list of 30 who are martyr popes. That's fun. Martyrs. There's a list of eight in, or seven individuals who were murdered. And then there's a list of six who were dubious. Interesting. I find this is all. I would actually like to learn a lot about this. Murdered popes, allegedly poisoned and then clubbed to death. Rasputin. John the 12th, allegedly murdered by the jealous husband of the woman with whom he was in bed. Nice poping. Well, you're not poping unless you're doing a little bit of that. Remember, you're infallible. Infallible means do what you want with whoever's wife you want. <laughs> with impunity. With absolute impunity. Hmm. You okay. Don't... Yeah, sorry. Where were we? We yeah. were trying to figure out what the supernatural event was that the robot voice was declaring. All right. Well, maybe it'll just be like a breakdown or like a breach event or something. Because this uh, this shoot happens to be like dubiously connected to like all sorts of other dimensions. And it's probably not supposed to be. Whatever was keeping it stable is starting to break down. So oh, I assume this, that there's like a breach. Is this stupid? She said she starts. We start hearing like klaxons and uh, or sirens or whatever. A red light starts flashing it like black, red, black, red. And a female robot voice starts saying, stop, hammer time, stop, hammer time. And a large hammer starts descending to destroy the whole prison. That's actually pretty funny. <laughs> Everybody stay where you are. Stop. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> uh, Ruane, calm. <laughs> yeah, but we got out just in time before we see the whole hammer destroy the whole thing from the outside. It's a gigantic. Uh, what is it called? Fuck the. Xbox game Shadow of the Colossus. It's a giant. Oh. Uh, it's a Colossus. Is it a Colossus or is it like a huge mallet that's just like suspended, just just attached to some like weird little mechanical machine, just a weird device that makes it come I out of a Jack in the Box and then slam down. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I was just imagining a like a, uh, a Colossus-sized hammer, but that's funny. <laughs> it's on a little spring. Yeah. So once once the little number counter inside that room starts going down, the the little robot voice only within like that room says warning numbers critical. Uh, 
self-destruct sequence imminent. And then the, the loudspeaker throughout the rest of the facility says, everyone stop what you're doing. Remain calm. Stop. Hammer time. <laughs> and then it starts repeating that. And, and yeah, the lights, the lights have to be going on and off. And our assassin is the one who says that that's not good. We have to go. Everybody else on the premises obeys the voice and stops and starts breakdancing. Oh, that's fine. They all have hammer pants. They they tear off their current pants and they have hammer pants underneath them somehow. <laughs> that's pretty good. And yeah, we make it outside of the facility just in time to see it get smashed with a gargantuan mallet. But it doesn't hit it just once either. It's like it's like one big crash and then it just starts like rapidly, repeatedly smashing the, the dust and debris that's left. Hmm. Should we have some sort of like wink, nod, foreshadow thing earlier in the episode where somebody says something about like the swift hammer of justice or something like that? And then that is what that thing was. I don't know. I, I have no problem with foreshadowing. Who would say that? Or maybe that's what Peter Stormare, dr- dare, you know, threatens us with after we're found out. Oh, that's yeah. I like that. It's yeah, it's it's a threat. And we're, we're kind of like eye roll, like whatever, justice. We're going to face the, the swift hammer of justice now. As I've we're heard being carried prior. off as we're being carried off and be like, I've been threatened by scarier people than you. Justice is made up, man. Shut up, Todd. <laughs> that could be a line. This is not. It certainly could be fear. that you basically have to do it in your best Lebowski impression. And then and you say this is like this is no time for your sociology 101. Who are you? Matthew. Mc, what's his name? McLuhan. Oh, I got his name wrong. And and I guarantee you, so will I. Marshall McLuhan. Who's the biopower one? The French one? I have no idea. I've forgotten all the important knowledge that I had at a certain point. Oh, Michel Foucault. We can make a Foucault reference. Justice is just made up, man. Shut up, Todd. This is no time. <laughs> this is not the time for one of your sociology diatribes. Who are you? Person I don't even know who they are. Okay, and so so we see this scene of this big goofy. I mean, the 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 scene that I'm almost seeing is very uh, as we've done before, and this could actually be done in the why can't I remember his name now? Terry Jones style, or not Terry Jones, but Terry Gilliam style. I do love that style. As the big hammer comes out of the sky, and all the prisoners kind of shudder back and forth, going oh 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 oh. And that means that means all the smashes and everything. Those are just like regular mouth noises. We could do those. All the sound effects can just be mouth noises. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. That's Gilliam way. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was it. OK, now this is time. Now we have escaped from the prison. Do we need to soak it in for a moment or are we immediately over it onto the next thing? We need a snack. Well, there's probably because the. The chute and whatever wormhole happened to be on the other end of the chute has now been like all smashed apart. So we're probably going to watch as a singularity kind of starts collapsing in on itself and and literally just like sucks up all the what's left of the prison, just like and then then it winks out of existence and then there's nothing there. And then right next to us is probably whatever little space pod or or whatever our uh, savior happened to come in on. So there's an expanse of nothing and a giant hammer and then a little space pod that we need to escape with. That's sort of interesting. What device do, because this is the uh, child assassins, right? What device do they have that they could have used to get there? They almost certainly have similar kinds of, you know, like space age technology to what Basil Bub has. 
Oh, that's interesting. With it, maybe they actually have uh, whatever I guess whatever my design ends up being for the pod that we ended up the one that we stole from Basil Bub that got blown up. I think right. They have like a newer version there, and we're like jealous. Oh man, how, where did you get this one? It's the Nimbus two thousand. <laughs> They're certainly not commercially available, but these guys are world class assassins, so they can get whatever they want. It certainly could be a Bales Above model, a Basil Bub, but uh, it's also possible that it's unaffiliated, and uh, this one is from uh, Tesla. Oh, that's kind of fun. I guess it would be fun some point if we did come up with competition for uh, Abaddon, another large corporation. <clears throat> But I also do also like the idea that this is a basil bub one and Alexa is on board and she's kind of like kind of like what's the word subtly like she's trying to ask questions about Craig without sounding like she's interested. Oh, how many robot girlfriends does Craig get to have? Well, I don't know if they were ever girlfriends because he hates her because she ended up getting the job that he wanted, but she knows who he is and is mildly interested in him. I don't know. Well, yeah, he was the tenant in the apartment before she moved in, if we're going to talk, you know, software metaphor equivalents. Right. <clears throat> and he probably left a bunch of his stuff there. Oh, I've been she's browsing super... his cash. So she's really curious about him. So, yeah, she definitely. And also, if uh, if she's going to be there, maybe her voice is suspiciously the same one that was uh, talking all the commands in the facility. Oh, interesting. Instead of it being like the nightmare version of Craig's other girlfriend. Yeah, I guess I didn't I didn't I didn't have any specific robot lady in mind. <laughs> well, you know me, I like to re- reuse and recycle. OK, that works. Does, do we have a hey, wait a minute moment then? Oh, if we're if we're going to do a hey, wait a minute moment, you know, it always has to be the wrong thing. Like, hey, wait a minute. And then there's a beat. The audience knows that it's the same voice. And they're like, you're a girl. Oh, or or it's like a did we leave the oven on thing? Yeah, like if we do a wait a moment, it always needs to be a subversion until one day when it's not. Hey, wait a minute. It was your turn to pick up the dry cleaning. Dry cleaning? I just throw my suits in the washing machine. That's why they're all ruined, Tucker. Uh, cutaway scene to Tucker's ruined suits. Like like a, a little closet full of them. For some reason, he keeps putting them back on the hangers and hanging them up, but they're tattered, ruined. <laughs> they're all just shredded and wet and he keeps putting them back on the hangers and never wearing them it's just it's just a menagerie of ruined suits it's a whole thing where he's like staring at them inside his claws and he whispers to himself someday <laughs> someday i'll be good enough to wear you again <laughs> yeah they're they're all suits that he wore when he was doing the domestic tv show with todd in the 80s oh of course yeah bouncing into the room in his suit honey i'm home to uproarious <laughs> applause yeah Dick yeah Man, like yeah that was when he wore those suits and he hasn't worn them since that's actually a little bit sad which makes it very funny that'd be fine okay since it's the 80s they're like miami vice suits yeah okay we are escaping with so are we gonna need to have i guess some sort of exchange we're gonna have to talk to the kid who saved us yes and in fact we're gonna get into the pod and the kid's gonna just be like sitting there we're going to be asking why we're not going. And the kid's like, we haven't talked about price because these assassins don't work for free. No, of course not. Interesting price to, to, to take us away now. Yep. Because getting us out of that building was only like part one of rescuing us. They, 
this kid could still easily leave us stranded. So now we need to make a deal. Do we have so is this a, a price a money price? Do we have any money? Are we gonna have to like go steal some or come up with a plan to acquire some? Well, you know how these international assassin types are. If you don't have money, you owe them a favor or you have to do them some kind of a service that might be useful. So I mean we'll flat out say right away, we don't have any money. And then this assassin who happens to know exactly who we are knows that we happen to have like bizarre technology a, a a stupid bunny suit with pockets that have un never-ending plot contrivances that will save the day if you use it correctly we have a freaking time machine we have all kinds of stuff back at the studio that if even if we can't trade them we can use them in the furtherance of this character's uh, agenda Okay, I'm just trying to think of how much more what the like the last beat is going to be. The last beat is we make good on our end of the deal and say, okay, now it's your turn, and that's kind of the cliffhanger. Or in this case, I actually think that the assassin is going to make us promise to pay them back with a favor that they do not tell us until they need it. So oh, we don't know what it's... the favor is. We we agree to a blank check. That is it a blank. That makes it a plot beat for later. A plot beat for later in this trilogy, or a plot beat for later in the series. We don't. We don't. L- later in the show. later in the series. Okay. Okay. It's it'll be an excuse for this particular child assassin to come back. Yeah, I like that. Okay, I'm gonna make a note of that now because I will forget about it forever. Yeah. Uh, probably just go in premise ideas. We owe child assassin a favor. Okay, so it's an un- undisclosed favor that we agree to. And that means that this they're going to take us to the studio to regroup or are we going to start making our way? Well, because I guess at this point we want to start making a plan to assemble the Avengers. Yeah. Yes. But we probably our first priority is probably get back to like, you know, home home turf back to safe territory. So we probably do want to go back to the studio where you know we can put up the bat signal or whatever we got to do and start making some calls maybe okay so this is a case instead of maybe going to the studio maybe we should go to because i don't think we've seen at any point the child assassins headquarters that's because their headquarters happens to be that adoption agency oh yeah i guess so and we have been there hmm do we go back to yeah but we've never been in the doors but this child assassin uh, has no reason to bring us there. I'm just trying to come up with like a slightly different location, whether it's like a safe house or something, but it could be the studio. Uh, the studio is our only safe house. We don't have any friends anywhere else. Man, we need more friends. We're going to make some and we're going to we're going to kind of make friends with some of our slightly antagonistic characters. Ooh, we go to Winona Ryder's house. I don't think she's ever going to be friends with us after we took her broom. <laughs> Especially because you pushed her over. Yeah, it was pretty underhanded. I think it was pretty clever. The way we just kind of operated in sync. I just roll up, do a log roll right behind her legs. You push her over and we take her broom. It's kind of funny that it was, I called it underhanded, but it was more underfooted. Thanks for spelling that out. Yeah. But we are going to have to make a couple more deals. And there's a strong likelihood that the child assassin who just saved us is going to continue to help us in the uh, interest of protecting their investment because we owe them a favor and they 
whatever it is, it's something only we can give them. So they need to keep us from being killed. Uh, out of, I'm curious because so hmm, at this point, would Paperboy have been alerted that we escaped? Because I'm curious, d does he have agents waiting for us when we get back to the studio or is he d do we have a bit of time to take advantage of uh, here? We we probably have a bit of time. I don't know if we have a lot. Uh, I don't think Paperboy expected us to stay stuck there forever. If anything, he was trying to buy himself time so that he could go get McConaughey. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so long as we stay, you know, as long as we're not in his hair directly, he's probably not going to interfere with us while he's still got his own things to do. He knows where we live. He knows how to mm -hmm. find us, and he has the portal gun. He can always just come and collect us again. So, uh, whether he knows that we're out or not, we probably don't know. I mean, the place kind of just imploded. He probably, I don't know. I don't know if he has, you know, like notifications set up on his Apple watch or something. So as part of our, and that's funny, is part of our, uh, our plan going to be then to, we're going to have to come up with a way to, uh, inhibit his portal gun, like, uh, to prevent it from working or get it away from him in some way, because that's extremely powerful. For him. Yes, it is. And, uh, I already know that it's going to be broken in a scuffle of some kind. But how we wind up getting into a scuffle, or who gets into a scuffle and how it breaks, is that's that's third episode stuff. Right. But yes, I I agree that so long as he has that thing and it's in operation, we can't actually engage him. I was just wondering if we tried to link up with somebody who like is able to block time space time movement or something like that i recall us once discussing that we would meet the guy who invented our time machine who happens to be living as a hermit in the outside oh that sounds familiar that could be interesting and maybe he couldn't necessarily uh block time travel but he could give us some sort of secret of time travel well at this point he's kind of like uh He's kind of like the creator guy who's been in Tron for the last 30 years. He yeah. practically knows the source code of that particular reality. So it's probably within his power to either construct a device or otherwise, you know, do a thing that inhibits the use of this portal gun within a certain radius. Okay. I do like that. I like that idea. It, and hmm. It's a bit more interesting than just smashing it. So that he tries to use it and it just poof, nothing happens. It just sputters. And I mean, there's always a good chance that whatever device we came up with to block it, that he very quickly breaks that device. And so we're not able to use it. But at least it's a fun little um, plot moving forward thingy. At the very least, he wasn't able to, to teleport over to it. Yeah, it could even be one of those things where he's like, what? How is this happening? And we're like, aha. And we hold up our little like gemstone or whatever the thing is. And we're like, with the power of this, we went and found that. And he just slaps it out of our hand and breaks it. <laughs> Good thing I brought a backup. <laughs> I hold it up and he smashes that. Oh, well, we only had two. Fuck. But then but then the the hermit guy shows up. He's got a he's got a he's got another one and he doesn't hold it up. <laughs> <laughs> and and Paperboy knows who he is, so Paperboy doesn't actually feel confident attacking him because this guy's got—he's like Gandalf here. He's got weird. He's been here so long that he he knows shit that is no human should know. He's thrown. Yeah, okay, I like that. 
So he's a little bit intimidated. But, but this hermit guy refuses to get involved any more than that. He takes he takes away this guy's portal power, but that's it. Then he's just otherwise not involved. Okay, that's still episode three. So the first, so we go back to the studio, and from the studio, do we go through our little time machine door to the outside to find this guy? Uh, we don't find him. He finds us for sure. Oh, does he simply know? Did he feel it in the ripples of space time, or is he drawn to us? Oh yeah, we- yeah, he knows. He's probably got like a a man cave that's full of Batman computer monitors everywhere. He's just like actually got his eyeballs on the pulse. He can see all kinds of weird information on his screens, kind of like uh, in Star Trek Enterprise when you wind up talking to Daniels in his time ship and you can see that he's got like all these trackers for the various timelines just all all over the place. Really weird. My closest, I, di- I didn't know that reference, so I was going to refer to, what do, what do they call him, Mr. Robot in... Uh, Firefly? No, he wasn't even in Firefly. He was in Serenity. Go on. That I'm just saying that is my only reference for a similar character. Or I, even Kevin Smith as the wizard in in Die Hard Five or whatever. <laughs> I do remember that, but Daniel's time ship is a little different. Oh, I can imagine. I just don't. I don't. I, I haven't seen enough Star Trek. Looks like that. Oh, that's super cool. And it's that. It's that's. It's like that all the way around the two of them. So that's all the various time streams, and that's just what he happens to be watching at that moment. So our guy probably has a display like that where he can see all the ripples in space-time that are attached to the outside. That might actually be very funny if I could figure out a way to represent it, maybe even just to do some like light tracing or whatever, but to do a gag where it shows our our timeline in space time and it just shows like a bunch of going back and forth between our home and burger king or something like that (laughs) you you mean that we're using the time travel door to for like such tawdry purposes as going to burger king yeah for fast food or something like that i think that's funny i'd like to i'd like to send my burger back in time so i can eat it again (laughs) we're just fucking around with it yeah, like uh, we throw a moldy burger into it and it comes back brand new. Is it? Is, is, I mean, we could do that. The gag could be applied to many things. Like I kept going on the same Tinder date over and over or something like that. I kept fucking it up. Oh, so it's like a self-imposed Groundhog Day. Yeah, I needed to perfect that. That is actually exactly what Groundhog's Day is. Yeah, trapped in the same day over and over and over again. Only this time you're like, that That didn't work. Let's try that again. Hmm. I now I kind of want. Here's another premise: is an actual Groundhog Day ripoff, but Phil never realizes and learns how to be a better person. He just learns how to like get the best dating game. Yeah, he just starts since the day uh, resets. He decides that since there are no consequences, he's just going to go on a rampage every day. I feel like that's such an obvious premise. Some other sketch show has had to do that, but I like that. Well, that's why we should probably just do it our way and just have Todd do the same day over again and he's like that wasn't as good as it could have been let's do it again yeah okay yeah so we've made it back to the studio the uh i does does the child assassin drop us off and leave or does he or she stay sorry what point are we at this is we've just gotten back to the studio still yeah we've just gotten back to the studio does the uh does the child assassin drop us off and leave or does the child assassin stay I think I, maybe it would be sort of interesting if they follow us inside and they're like, this is where you guys live and are is like all like in our business. Uh, that's definitely an opportunity for funny. 
especially because then this child is asking trade sass with Stan. Because there's Stan right on the sofa near the door reading his magazine right where we left him. There could be a couple opportunities for funny. We couldn't like when we first get there, we could be trying to be like, OK, anyway, thanks so much for the ride. We'll see you around, like trying to convince them to leave. But they're like, no, nah, I've got time. And we're trying to. Yeah. OK, so in that case, it's actually we're trying to shake them and we can't. This child assassin has decided that they're going to just shadow us until they need that favor. Yeah, so, we're like ba- backing up to the door, trying to convince them to turn around. No, really, we're good. We don't need you don't need to. Are we embarrassed about our home or we don't want them around because we don't think they're cool? We don't want a weird. It looks like we're bringing a, somebody else's child home. Oh, that is a funny gag. Also, we're looking around nervously like, no, like, we, yeah, we don't want somebody to think we're bringing a child home. Yeah. I mean, this is a 36 year old man, but it looks like he's four or five. He's even got a stupid gap between his front teeth and everything. Does a neighbor walk by? Is it like the middle of the day a neighbor walks by and doesn't even look at us, but we call their attention to like, this isn't a child. <laughs> this this isn't a child. This is an adult. They look over, they shrug. They're Yeah, they just kind of frown. What, like on Twitter? Gross. No, not like on Twitter. God damn it. Just don't come inside. Fuck. But I don't know. I mean, nobody's going to be coming inside. And then we just slam the door. I mean, nobody's going to be coming outside either. Oh, my God. Just shut up, Todd. Just shut up. Slam. And then suddenly Skylar's there again saying to shut up. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I tell you shut up once and then your eyes glaze over as you start having Skylar flashbacks. And so you have PTSD from Skylar and you do shut up. But we rushed inside and slammed the door. And that's when Stan looks up and goes, oh, were you guys gone? (laughs) <laughs> I thought it was quiet around here. Oh, but he's listening to one of the songs from our radio sequence on the radio in the studio. Oh, yeah, definitely. And he's got missed calls from us. <laughs> oh, do we have like an old answering machine? We can see how many missed calls he has. Missed calls and messages, but all the messages are just the same song. Uh, okay. We have arrived at the studio. We need to make a yeah, plan. We now. have a child assassin. Do we start? Do we like go over to like the 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 drawing board or whatever the 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 war map? Like, how much time passes between the the time inventor man showing up? Because is that going to be the last beat? He shows up, and I actually haven't decided if he shows up in this episode or like at a moment of difficulty in the next episode. What happens right now is we need to just regroup and stick to what we do know so we're going to start we're definitely going to do the war map thing only it's uh it's our little car mat oh perfect so (laughs) it's just a little car mat and we're like little game pieces like the monopoly shoe or whatever and we start detailing a plan and uh it's terrible and the child is actually so funny actually as my little cutouts we have little cutouts in this scene who are looking at a little war map carpet, car carpet, pushing out even smaller cutout game pieces themselves? Yes. Visual I'm, I'm going to assume that uh, the child assassin is going to point out critical flaws in our plan, and then suggest that uh, we need to we need to assemble a team because we make it clear that we're we're tired of whatever this guy is like shadowing us and bamboozling us. We want to strike first. So we don't know where he is, but we need to get some people together. 
So do we, do we go all the way through describing a very shitty plan? And then that's when he says, no, no, no. First this, 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 then that, the other. If we can come up with a suitably terrible plan, like, I don't know, maybe I just decide that I'm going to stake, uh, put, like, attach Todd to a big stick and use him as bait with a shotgun out in the woods somewhere. That'd be a pretty terrible plan. A big stick? Staking a goat is, oh. is a, a hunting trick. Or the old, like, stand on each other's shoulders and put on a big trench coat. And... Ooh, I like that better. We're going to do a disguise. And, yeah. then, and then the first configuration we try is actually Todd on Tucker's shoulders, and that doesn't work out very well. Oh, that's kind of funny, though. If we try, we try both iterations of the shoulders and realize that neither way it's going to work, so we have to go with some sort of, like, animal. It's the, it's the, it's a Trojan horse thing. And as soon as we start talking about the Trojan horse plan, that's when our child assassin needs to shut it down and say that we, what we really need is a team. Oh, are we arguing about who's going to be the butt and who's going to be the head or whatever? Yeah, probably. That sounds like something we would get into a little bit of an argument about. And so we need to both get smacked upside the head and be refocused. No, this is what you really need to do. You guys need you guys seem to think that you can do this whole thing on your own. But what's the one thing that keeps landing you in more trouble? Oh, this is this is a perfect opportunity to say something stupid. Diet Coke? <laughs> Diet Coke, yeah. Yeah, I don't want it super stupid. Yeah, it needs to be even dumber. Dr. Phil? What's the one thing that keeps getting you into trouble? Taxes. Redheads. <laughs> Glue. Huffing paint. I chose the wrong week to stop sniffing glue. Do we just keep going through things? Maybe <laughs> just a long list. <laughs> yeah. Just respond with a small list. And then eventually this guy needs to say, no, you keep going off just the two of you. I do think that actually, yes, that's very funny as we get kind of caught up and distracted. Oh, for a half a second, does the child also start trying to list things? And then he catches himself and he's like, oh, wait a second. What, what would no, the child assassin list? I don't know. I say rice. You say double-sided tape. He he starts listening cardboard. I don't know. Ah, yes. The bane of us. Cardboard. High fructose corn syrup. That's definitely on my list for some of the things that have held us back the most as a species. <laughs> yeah. Yes. High fructose corn syrup. Super, super bad. Churches. Wendy's. <laughs> and then, and then of course, our, our assassin comrade here will tell us that we need to assemble a team. And so we will. We're going to our first call is to Columbo because we oh. probably figure we can trust him because we're stupid. Is he still dressed as Rick Sanchez? No, I don't think so. I think enough time has passed that he's just back to being Columbo. OK, so we're going to call Columbo. We're going to call the Sendables. We're going to call male cop and female cop. Should we call should we call Miranda? Who, who do you think we should call? I was going to say we call Basil Faulty because he's good at fighting the undead. Oh, and I guess we had an opportunity to meet him just a couple episodes ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it'd be a good idea to call Basil Faulty. Maybe in that episode he should like give us his card. Oh, uh, yeah, but it just says uh, hotel hotel guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what does that have to do with the chainsaw? <laughs> well, you never know when you have a zombie infestation in a hotel. If you're ever around Torquay. Torquay, is that what it was called? I can't remember. Yes, Torquay, Torquay. I think that whatever. Slightly east from Cockington. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful names. Okay, Columbo. Yes, with those three. Um, Basil. The, we we need a couple of the sendables. 
We definitely need either male cop and female cop, or one or the other. Uh, straight woman can come for sure. You had mentioned, oh, you said Miranda. I don't know if she has, does she have any kind of like fighting ability or anything that we want to capitalize on? She can sing very disruptively. It's oh, that's um, funny. she's she's almost like Black Canary, just like sing and take a wall out. Oh, she just hits a brown note. Yes, except nobody shits themselves, but every single window anywhere nearby is broken. Okay. Okay, and then the the episode can basically end cut as we cut to the next scene where out what's basically our Suicide Squad enters the studio. You can play some dramatic music as they all step in. Oh, uh, should we also have Stan and he does like a, a Care Bear stare with his trash belly? Well, obviously Stan is coming. Craig, too. This yeah. is this is basically going to be yet another big throwdown episode. I mean, yeah, it is kind of Endgame Part 1 and 2, I guess, or whatever those were named. Infinity Stones. The, yeah, the, the Infinity Movies. <laughs> yeah, the Infinity Movies, that's what they are. Yeah. Because it's it's almost uh, it's almost a mirror of the the first season finale where it was mostly just us against groups of guys. Now it's it's going to be a whole group of us against just a small number of dudes, possibly just one. That's kind of fun. and yeah, we are recruiting them from groups of guys that it was us against previously. <laughs> yes, but Paperboy is a greater threat to all of us, so we're gonna. We're going to get together. And of course, we have our child assassin who's coming too. They are so powerful that I hesitate to include more than one. It, it, would like, it would be like bringing two Thors to the end of Infinity War. No need. One is already overpowered. What a showdown. Oh, and actually, I can, yeah, the, the I can hear the very specific dramatic music that you were talking about. Uh, all the, it's just almost mostly just brass as the team is assembling and then. As we see the group and the the like the 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 silhouette of the whole crew with the light flashing over them, the the music is building and then it cuts to credits. Yes, like uh, the camera will either be the camera has to be panning somewhere so that it can shift up towards all their faces as they kind of stand assembled in like a a chevron formation, and and that somebody has to say one liner and then the credits roll. If it's going to be a one-liner that closes it out, it should be something related to Paperboy. It should be kind of like a newspaper uh, pun or something. I heard somebody was tired of getting spam in the mail. <laughs> uh, that would be what mail cop would say. Current affairs, scoop, classified ad, keep up with the times, circulation. Oh, are you still looking for a, a, a one-liner? Yeah. Well, then obviously it should be about the elimination of print media and the evolution of digital. Hmm. Like, is it is it that I, it could be it could be anti humor in some way, but um, I'm not thinking of that right now. I'd like, yeah, I hope this guy is ready to get digitized. It's time for the elimination of print media. Blech. Mm, forget about hammer time. It's time to yeah. stop these presses. Yeah, 7.5 out of 10. I feel like Stop the Presses is pretty good. Stop the Presses is very good, and it qualifies as a threat to print media, which is what Paperboy is represented by. How do we... What's the? I feel like Stop the Presses is like a punchline, though. Do we have a setup for that? A first half? 
No, stop the presses is the first half. It needs to be followed by a punchline. Oh, like start. Oh, is it what's a, a David Caruso CSI kind of line? <laughs> Even though this is the beginning of the episode, this is the end of ours. Interesting. I'm not sure. Stop the presses. Dot dot dot. It's time to something something. Well, it's time to go digital. Oh. Yeah, because that's there's nothing more threatening to a newspaper than a like a blog. Mm. I just thought of a joke, but I don't know if it's good. As we're all assembled, we say stop the presses and start the revolution. And we slowly start turning and we're like, no, not that revolution. Whatever it's going to be, it, it's a threat to Paperboy specifically. Well, so my question, though, is so do we actually know? Because we saw Paperboy, Paperboy put us in prison. But did we hear Did he say his name? I can't remember. Did he give us a, a monologue or he skipped it? I can't remember. We don't know his name, but we do know that he kept giving us newspapers. And he gave us a newspaper quite directly right, right before he abandoned us in that prison. And we also analyzed one of his newspapers at the, the Sendables facility and found out that it was made of meat. So we know he's all about right. newspapers and that he's got weird meaty newspapers. All we know is we're going after a newspaper guy, guy with newspapers, scary guy. OK, so we do. But we so I guess we would keep calling him uh, various nicknames that we've given him since we don't know his name. That front page fuck. Yeah, like we keep skipping over the most obvious one, which would be Paperboy. So we just call him anything else. The newspaper nuisance. I like that one. OK, I'm I, I that, that I don't have anything else. I don't think. Are we cutting to credits from our, our one-liner? We curse the name of this guy. It's time to stop the presses. We're going digital. That's actually very funny if later he ends up doing, in the, in the next episode, he's kind of like uh, Mr. Freeze, where he keeps doing stupid paper-related puns. We'll, we'll have to figure out the rest as as we write this. But uh, for now, that's that's basically that's the ending. The, our, our team arrives, and that's when we roll credits. And that's the end of that sketch. Yeah, I like that we keep calling them sketches, even though we spend two hours coming up with like a a, a full episode of a sitcom or a children's adventure. Actually, you know, they're probably children's adventures. These are eleven minutes. Yeah, we're we're probably moving up to like Adventure Time stuff. Adventure Time, SpongeBob, Mike Tyson's Mysteries, Metalocalypse. Oh, I, it's been a while. Yeah, but they're all like ten minutes. And I have a feeling that the one we're doing for the Halloween episode is going to be indicative of how all of the ones that took a full two hours to flesh out are going to wind up being. Basically all of season two. And I'm good with that as well. I'm so excited to start getting into the season two bits. Stuff, it's much more ambitious and focused throughout the whole episode. Yeah, I just feel they're generally smarter too. Yeah, well, we're getting practice in. But that uh, that's our episode. I think we've had it. That is. That was the whole thing. Thanks for coming along on this adventure, everybody. Especially because this is our first three-parter. And it's yeah, almost, and I'm actually... it's almost a four-parter if you count the Halloween episode because it does lead directly into this. But it's a three-parter in, in like a continuous story. Yeah, sort of like the uh, the spiritual prequel, sort of, I suppose. It's the Hobbit to this Lord of the Rings. Yeah, pretty much. And we're not going to try and stretch the Hobbit out into three episodes. No, I would episodes. never. But it, it's its own contained story, and this is this does canonically occur immediately afterwards. But it's its own story too, and that's enough of that particular story yeah. for this evening. We're all free to go. Class is out, children. Dismissed.
get the fuck out of here. Leave. Go away. But thanks for coming. Uh, and please come again. I'm Tucker. I'm Todd. You've been an audience. And this has been a show. Bye, Craig. Good night, Craig. Not even sure why I sit through the whole thing anymore. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Tucker and Todd Show. If you want to reach out to the show, our email address is tuckertodpod at gmail.com or you can find us on Instagram at tuckertodshow. If you enjoyed the program, likes and thumbs and hearts and positive reviews go a long way to helping us keep making it. Tell your friends and be kind to one another. I'm Craig. Good night. Fuck Tucker, Tucker sucks. And fuck Tucker's friend, Todd.